Hi, this is episode 32 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have part two of chapter 11 of Absolute Zero by Helen Cresswell. When Daisy arrived, it was easy to see why Aunt Celia had required a whole hour for her adornment. Daisy had been got up, as Mr. Bagthorpe observed, like a cross between Little Bo Peep and Goldilocks, the latter being an allusion to her hair, which had been brinked into tight ringlets and tied with two outstanding pink bows. "'Doesn't she look like a lamb?' cried Grandma ecstatically. "'A wolf,' contradicted Mr. Bagthorpe, in lamb's clothing. When the men from Generation Gap fluoride toothpaste arrived, they were given coffee. As they drank it, Mr. Bagthorpe tried to bait them. "'In my opinion,' he told them, "'and I am a man of letters,' The word gap in the name of your product would seem an unfortunate choice. I should not have thought that any manufacturer of toothpaste would have wanted the word gap in his advertisements. The two men exchanged uneasy glances, which Mr. Bagthorpe did not fail to note. He had made, he realized, a scoring point. No doubt, he continued, the ill-considered use of this word has led to plummeting sales, and the drastic and desperate measure of trying to build up sales by the use of photographs of members of my family. Personally, I do not believe they will do anything for your sales. Oh, yes, sir, I'm sure they will, said the PR man, with a gallant half-bow in the direction of Grandma, who was frigidly fixing her son. In the stony silence that followed, Jack hoped fervently that she would not forget herself and click her teeth. The photographer had done nothing since he arrived but stare at Aunt Celia, who was looking particularly ravishing in full-length cheesecloth. Cheesecloth? Cheesecloth is a gauze-type fabric that's almost transparent. In the end, she must have become fidgety about this, and she left the room. At once, the photo photographer started a whispered conversation with the PR man, who kept nodding his head. At last, he looked at the Bagthorpes, who were already looking at him with undisguised interest, and said, "'Tim Scott Johnson here has had what I think is a perfectly valid and effective idea, and one we should perhaps adopt. In the original competition, as you will remember, we asked only for entrants from two generations. If we were to have three, however, how much more effective our campaign would be?' He again made a nervous bowing movement in the direction of a drawn-up grandma. "'Would your daughter, perhaps, consent to taking part? "'On payment, of course, of a suitable fee.' "'Unfortunately,' replied Grandma, without batting an eyelid, "'dear Celia has lost half her teeth.' Mrs. Bagthorpe let out a little gasp at this slander, and Grandpa, fortunately for his wife, did not hear it. Like most men, he tended to stick up for Aunt Celia. "'But they look natural enough.' insisted the photographer, clearly bent on having Aunt Celia in his lens. "'I should imagine,' Grandma turned to the P.R. man, "'that a certain moral issue is at stake here. Would you, may I ask, be happy to advertise your toothpaste with a smile that is, to your own certain knowledge, false?' She had him there. The session was completed without the presence of Aunt Celia, and Grandma smiled obligingly throughout. "'happy in the certainty that she ran no risk of being eclipsed by her own daughter. "'Besides,' she told the others later, by way of justification, "'they would certainly have made me look ten years older than I really am, "'if Celia had been there, to emphasize the gap. 
any woman would have done the same. To which there was no answer, or none at any rate, that Mr. Bagthorpe could think of off the cuff. The toothpaste people must have been very pleased with the results of the photographic session, because they returned next day with a request that Grandma and Daisy should, for an extra fee, of course, make a television commercial. This was not as flattering as it first appeared, because it became apparent that the sole object of this was to get Aunt Celia's peerless features onto the screen, and associated, one way or another, with generation-gap fluoride toothpaste. "'If Mrs. Parker,' pleaded the PR man, "'could possibly bring herself to appear "'and say how much she regretted not having used Generation Gap "'and saved her teeth, it would be of immeasurable benefit.' "'I dare say,' replied Grandma, unmoved. "'But my daughter naturally has her pride. "'She is a presentable-looking young woman "'and would not wish the world at large to know her secret. "'Daisy and I will make the commercial unaided.' "'This, inevitably, was what happened.' The P.R. man evidently considered the matter of Aunt Celia's false teeth too delicate a matter to broach to her personally, which was lucky for Grandma. The Bagthorpes all assembled to watch the commercial being made, a project that involved an unconscionable number of people, from continuity girls to top-rank lighting cameramen. "'One would imagine,' remarked Mr. Bagthorpe jealously, "'that one of my scripts was involved. Is nobody interested in my teeth?' These were sufficiently bared during the process of filming to have attracted the attention of anyone who had been interested in them. The dialogue struck Mr. Bagthorpe as particularly nauseating, and he offered to rewrite it. "'If I were to rewrite it,' he told the producer, "'and you gave me a credit, you would be reviewed in the Sundays. Everything I have ever written has been reviewed in the Sundays.' The producer murmured feebly about unions and advertising standards, and apologetically ran Daisy and Grandma through their existing lines. These were inane to a degree, but the actresses involved clearly enjoyed saying them. One of the things Daisy had to say was, "'Oh, Grandma, what lovely teeth you've got!' Which, as Mr. Bagthorpe pointed out, sounded like something straight out of Red Riding Hood, and would arouse disappointed expectations in the viewer of Grandma's being metamorphosed into a wolf. "'She'd do that all right,' he told them. The commercial took several hours to make, mainly because Daisy kept saying, Grandma Bag, and the toothpaste people did not want the bag in. Nor did the presence of Aunt Celia help. In the first place, she distracted the film crew, and in the second, she kept cooing and darting to adjust Daisy's ringlets after the clapperboard and action. <clears throat> At the end of the session, Grandma disappeared and came down a few minutes later wearing her fur coat. "'Off out, are you?' inquired Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Going to get some fresh air <clears throat> to blow the sickening scent of commercialism from your nostrils?' "'I am going to tea with Daisy,' she replied. "'She has just invited me.' Aunt Celia looked dubious at this. She had already formed the opinion, as had the Bagthorpes themselves, that Daisy and Grandma, taken singly, were to be reckoned with, but as the unholy alliance were not to be let out of sight.' Matters had not been improved by the introduction of Arioch as third party. It seemed that his invisible presence would give the pair of them unlimited license to do anything they wanted, and then lay the blame on the defenceless Ari. Arioch, Mr. Bagthorpe declared, is the archetypal can-carrier. I should know. I'm one myself. 
"'You may come to tea, mother,' said Aunt Celia, "'but I shall expect you to exert a proper influence. "'Poor little Daisy has been through a bad patch lately.' "'At this Mr. Bagthorpe let out one of his bitter laughs. "'Cranma replied, "'Naturally, Celia. "'I am, after all, your mother, "'and think I know something about children. "'And Daisy and I are on the same wavelength. "'We understand one another perfectly.' "'and I may as well tell you the main reason why I am coming to your house "'is that Daisy and I wish to write on walls, "'and we are not allowed to do it here.' "'Mr. Bagthorpe went into one of the longest speechless silences, "'as opposed to ordinary silences, he had ever been in.' "'And that's the end of Part 2 of Chapter 11 of Absolute Zero. "'See you next time.'